But I think there's been this fear that exercise is somehow going to be dangerous. Uh, and it's quite the contrary. After that first day, when they say you have cancer, there's a new person born. You know, there's this thing called new normal. I, th I think they don't really maybe understand how much it's going to help them. Each patient and each survivor is going to be experiencing different side effects, different experiences. The positive is that it's, it's never too late. Welcome to the REACH podcast, where you'll hear from researchers, doctors and patients themselves on how exercise, nutrition and lifestyle behaviors can reduce cancer risk and improve survivorship. I'm your host, Kieran Fairman. This week's episode of the REACH podcast is sponsored by the Lamstrom Foundation, which is a non-profit organization founded by Major League Soccer goalkeeper and Stage 4 Hodgkin's lymphoma survivor, Matt Lamson. The mission of the Lamstrom Foundation is to provide difference-making financial, emotional and motivational support to cancer patients and families in all stages of cancer treatment and recovery, as well as to fund proven cancer researchers. So for more information and regular updates on the Lamstrom Foundation and what they're doing, go ahead and follow the Lamstrom Foundation on Facebook or visit lamstrom.com today. Hey, welcome back to episode 22 of the Reach Podcast. And I have to apologize for the somewhat clickbaitish title in talking about how the standard of cancer care sucks. But, you know, we had to get you in somehow and I figured that's all the rage. So we'll kind of dive into, into why I think that is. And if you bear with me, I'm really going to try and uh, give some analogies that may help us better understand how we're, how we're delivering this information. So a lot of people kind of say to me, you know, you're getting a PhD, you must be really smart. And <laughs> it's not the case. I'm just an idiot who likes to exercise. So if you take me out of the exercise world, I'm pretty, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not the smartest dude on the block. And so I need a lot of help in different areas of my life. And a lot of my friends have been talking to me about getting a financial advisor and going to see someone about investing my money. And you know, I went and did it. I went and saw these two two guys who are financial advisors, and they started talking to me about um, bonds and IRAs and mutual funds and short term goals and long term goals. And you know, they might as well have been speaking French to me. And I I failed French twice in college. You know, so I was completely lost in in going into that meeting in trying to wrap my head around what they were telling me. And then I left that meeting not remembering a lot of what they were saying. And so as I, as I was leaving that meeting, I was kind of saying that's that can be analogous to to how we talk about exercise to cancer patients and survivors. Those guys who were talking to me were just rattling off um, these different terms and these different types of investments, and I was kind of going, "Whoa, hold up! I don't even know what these terms mean." Let's let's talk about that for a second before we go into where I'm putting my money. And so again, it comes back to how we deliver the information to cancer patients and survivors. Quite simply saying, you should exercise is the exact same thing as someone saying to me, you should invest your money. Because I go, where? Hell, what what do I invest and, and where do I put my money? And when we say you should exercise to these patients and survivors, they say, well, hell, you know, where do I go to exercise? What type of exercise should I do? And you kind of see the, the, the similarities there. And we forget a lot of the times how much we know as, as professionals and researchers and scientists, whatever it is. And we, we, it's, it's easy to forget how little some of these people with no experience in, in the area know. You know, for example, we had a, we had a, a gentleman with prostate cancer in one of our trials 
a couple of years back and he was a diabetic who didn't know what a carbohydrate was. So you look at that level of, of uh, you look at that lack of information in such a critical area of, of need in terms of if you're a diabetic, you really need to understand the types of foods you're putting into your body. And that's that can be the level of, of information or, or or awareness of the field that we're working with. So we need to find that middle ground. We need to get better at communicating how and why exercise works. You know, and, and you know, when I talk about standard of care sucking for, for cancer patients and survivors, I'm not talking about treatment, I'm not talking about screening, I'm not talking about uh, long-term care. What I'm talking about is, again, how this information is given to cancer patients and survivors. More often than not, it's just a pamphlet. And on that pamphlet, it says, diet, the things you eat can increase your risk of cancer. Stop eating so much crap. In terms of exercise, moving more can reduce your risk of recurrence. Get 150 minutes per week of aerobic exercise or lift weights two times a week. And we give them that pamphlet and we say, there, good luck. Take that with you, go exercise. We'll see you in however long for your follow-up. And we need to understand that that it's it's not good enough. If if we're trying to make a tangible change in these people's lives, behavior change is a very complex art. And it takes a lot of time to work with these people to get them to understand the power of behavior change and get them to buy into that process. And just like my, my French notes in college, a pamphlet is going to end up in the bottom of their bag or in their trash two weeks later, and it's it, it doesn't really stick. And you see that you know all of almost all of our trials in exercise and cancer, we compare some sort of exercise to a control group, and almost always the control group gets worse because the exercise just doesn't stick. The standard of care doesn't work. It's it's not enough if you've got a man or a woman. 65 70 years of age who's never exercised before in her life and you you deliver a diagnosis of cancer or you you meet with them any point during a treatment or even into the survivorship as they're 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 going back into their normal routine you say hey you should exercise that one passing sentiment is not going to do a whole lot to actually get them to change their behavior we know it it's it's a really difficult thing to do you need a lot of social support there's a lot of different techniques to try and foster intrinsic motivation to to develop techniques to to promote you know adoption and maintenance of exercise and and that takes time in itself. So we talk a lot about you know whose fault it is and and why this why this you know the field is the way it is, and sometimes you need to take take a step back and kind of go. We are a lot further along than we were five ten years ago. Yet. Where we're at isn't great, but from what I've seen at least, there is a dramatic increase in the awareness of exercise. There is a dramatic increase in the amount of professionals who are specialized in exercise and cancer. And there's also a lot more research. I mean, the the increase in research in this area is exponential. It's just exploding right now from people all over the states and all over the world who are who are trying to look at different types of exercise and how they can improve different cancer related patient related or even health related outcomes so it's really cool in that area that we are improving but again if you come back to the the financial advisors and they're talking about bonds and they're talking about iras and, and mutual funds and 
I'm sitting there going, what What does this mean? And they're, they're trying to break it down to me and say, well, you know, based on your goals, you might want to invest here. Or based on your, you know, say you have short-term, medium-term, long-term goals, based on what you want to do and how you want to shape up over the course of the next few years, you may want to invest in XYZ. And again, that comes back to what we're talking about with, with cancer patients and survivors. When we're talking about exercise, you need to understand that there's different goals and how your exercise looks is going to differ based on your goals. So if you're a really active person coming into treatment and you just want to maintain your activity and, and you don't want to have that disruption, you want to maintain control over, over some aspect of your life, keep doing what you're doing. You know, we talked to Darcy way back in the first few episodes of the of the show and she explained how she just loved going to the gym. She was a gym instructor herself and uh, she just wanted to maintain some sort of control. So she was she was still trying to do her, her same schedule. And, and as treatment evolved, she kind of modified that exercise based on her tolerance and how her, she was responded to treatment. But the same thing, she just wanted to she just wanted to keep doing what she's doing. If you have different goals, like you want to improve your strength, absolutely, strength training is going to be the 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 best way to do that, right? We're going to put you on some sort of progressive training program where we start out two days a week, nice and light, nice and easy. We get you comfortable with the exercise and then slowly over time, we start to progress it to again, build that strength, maybe improve your body composition, improve your physical function and all that type of uh, health-related outcomes. Say you want to improve your cardiovascular health. We know that cardiotoxicity is a pretty big side effect from certain cancer treatments, particularly chemotherapy and, and different types of chemo. So if you're looking to improve your heart health, again, maybe cardiovascular exercise is going to be the best way to do that. And the same thing, we can structure your exercise based on where you're at, based on your fitness, based on what you like to do, and try and build, again, a progressive training program that's aimed at that. Because the biggest frustration I see, and, and I've talked about this to a lot of different people, and when I'm giving these talks to to support groups, to um, you know professionals, to whoever it is, and I deliver these guidelines, it's so general. And it's it's a really frustrating part of my job when I go to give these guidelines and say, the ACSM, ESSA, whatever the governing body is, we recommend about 150 minutes a week. The more active you are, the better. And about two two to three days a week of, of resistance training, total body exercises, one to three sets, eight to 12 reps, usual stuff. And I just chuck that out there. And I say, that's our guidelines. And it it's it's so general when you're applying that to such a wide variation of of people. So you think of the normal things that affect how you modify exercise in general. You've got your age. You know, what what I give to a 20-year-old soccer player is a lot different than what I give to a 65-year-old lawyer. You've got your your schedule and your lifestyle. Again, say that 65-year-old lawyer has, has a wife and three kids and he's got to get home and and help out with at home and, and do all that type of stuff. Whereas the, the 20-year-old college kid, all he's worried about is Thursday, Thursday and recovering from his hangover on the Friday and I have to develop a program to help him improve his strength. Those stressors are a lot different in their lives. And how I how I insert the, the program into that, it's got to be compatible with your lifestyle. You know, the, the easiest analogy or the easiest example I can give 
is these six-week body transformations that you see, which are really effective in doing what they do and serving their purpose. In you, you'll see these uh, uh, coaches on Instagram. You'll see gyms all over the all over the country or whatever, and they they take a group of people and they put them through the ringer for six weeks. They do a lot of high intensity work. They do a lot of weight training. Put them on a strict meal plan. And it's great, and you see really good improvements across that six weeks. And then these folks leave that six-week program, and they're left to their own devices. And usually usually these six-week programs are directly for a holiday, whether it's a vacation in the summer, or it's for Christmas, or it's to get back at your ex, whatever it is. These people go on these six-week programs, and then they post their pre-post pictures and look great. But again, they're not taught the tools that they need to develop a program long-term, to be able to modify their program, to be comfortable in designing a program that suits them in picking certain exercises, again, navigating certain areas of life, navigating holidays, navigating vacations, navigating stressful times in your life where, you know, maybe there's a few weeks where you have down periods and you can't get to the gym. That's the, that's where it gets real tricky and that's where these tools are really important in, in teaching you how to manage your exercise and your, your physical activity program to, to look at the long term, not necessarily a short term investment. So again, that six week period is like that short term investment of, of your money. You're, you're getting a lot of bang for your book, but unless it's sustained, you're not going to see those benefits long term. And I'd be more impressed with these programs if they they posted less about the improvements that you can make in their six-week body transformation and more about who's still active a year from then, who's who's still going to the gym a year from then, who's still incorporating exercise and physical activity and appropriate dietary choices into their life a year from then. That, to me, is much more impressive than someone who can get abs in six weeks or can drop 10 pounds in six weeks or whatever it is. It is impressive. But thinking about the long term, there's a, there's a reason that uh, fat camps are so successful. If you kind of forgive the brashness, um, a lot of these weight loss camps in the summer, similarly, they attack the symptoms and not the root of the problem. It's like having a nail stuck in your tire and just changing out your tube over and over and over again and inflating your tube and you're cycling, your, your tire goes flat, you put another tube in, inflate it. Changing that tire is addressing the symptoms of a flat tire. It's not addressing the problem of the nail in the tire. So again, by by just giving people advice and just kind of shuffle them through an exercise program and and without giving them the tools they need to, to have this long term, we're just addressing the, the symptoms. We need to get to the core root of the problem. If you come back to the to the meeting with our financial advisors, essentially the, the premise of our meeting or the or the end result of that meeting with them was they kind of said, Well, dude, you're kind of too broke to invest anything right now. Just get through grad school and we'll figure it out down the road. And the first thing I thought was, well, you know, I could have told you that. But the this the second part of that is coming back to cancer patients survivors, we also need to understand that not everyone is gonna have the propensity or desire to to exercise right away you know globally we say the sooner you exercise the better it's going to be for your treatment outcomes for your quality of life for your risk of recurrence down the road and we don't really appreciate the fact that there are going to be a certain amount of people that buy into that and they want to do everything they can 
to change and, and they're going to take it and run with it. And you, you've kind of heard some of the people on the podcast who, who've had that mentality and I have this diagnosis, I'm going to do absolutely everything I can do to beat it. What we don't appreciate is that there's people on the complete other end of the spectrum who aren't as open to the idea of exercise. And you kind of step back again and think of it. You've got this person who has just been diagnosed with cancer and they've got to rearrange their whole life around their treatment. You know, we go to extremes. Say you've got a, a, a single mother with three or four kids and we're now saying, okay, you have this cancer. We've got to schedule you for surgery in the next few weeks and then you're going to have five days a week of radiation and then you're going to have how many cycles of of chemotherapy that could last a few months you've just got to do it if you want to if you want to survive so they've got to then turn around and go you know who do i get to look after the kids how am i going to get the money to to support myself during this am i going to lose my job you know all these all these different things that that are just going around their head not to mention the side effects of the treatment itself so you've got a lot of psychological distress coupled with whatever you know, whatever the treatment is. If it's surgery, you're going to have some localized pain and tenderness in that area. You're going to have a poor range of motion in that area. That's going to need a little bit more rehab and, and attention there. Radiation, you could have scarring, you could have fatigue, nausea. Similar with chemo, again, fatigue and nausea. And they, those patterns of, of fatigue and nausea and energy dips will fluctuate over the course of treatment. So who are we to say, well, you know, the the sooner you exercise, the better. You've got to exercise to have these improvements. And they're saying, dude, I'm I'm just worried about pulling it together right now. I'm just I'm just trying to keep my head above water. And maybe that's not where we where we intervene. Maybe um if you listen to to Nicole Kulos read a couple of episodes with her, we talked about this where you know, again, globally, we give this advice that the sooner you exercise, the better. But that's not necessarily the case for everyone. Some people may may just have the mentality of, dude, I just want to get through. I just want to get through the treatment. I just want to get to the end of it, get past this, put it behind me, and then I can worry about it. Where there's others where as soon as they're diagnosed, they say, anything and everything I can do to help me, let's do it. And what's going on in their life, their their personality, their family history whatever it is all of that plays a role in how they're going to approach this so maybe you know someone who's less prone to starting an exercise program right now maybe we start with more education on why exercise is important the different types of exercise how to design a program the the power of behavior change and teaching those behavior change techniques in terms of appropriate goal setting in terms of uh, self-monitoring and awareness and mindfulness, these things that, again, maybe we're just kind of educating them to the point where they're ready, and once they're ready, they have more tools in their toolbox to be able to adopt and maintain exercise. And, you know, there's a lot of kind of contention over over whose responsibility this is and, and how we should go about doing it. And if you've been following the fo- podcast, I'm sure you've, you're aware of some of these. But more recently, the the trend has been to to for us to appreciate and understand that physicians and oncologists are extremely busy and are not trained in our area so it's not necessarily on those people to to sit down and have that hour-long plus discussion with these patients on the power of exercise and why it's important and, and how it works that's where we come in 
that's where we as scientists, as professionals, as practitioners come in and say, we've got the experience, we've got the background in in exercise physiology and cancer pathophysiology. We've got the, the expertise in this kind of parentheses or, or quote unquote exercise oncology world that we can do that. We can educate your team, we can educate your patients, we can come in and help deliver that. And again, you keep hearing this analogy of cardiac rehab in that when you get some sort of cardiac event, you're immediately put on some sort of rehabilitation plan. You know, way back when we used to think that that you have some sort of cardiac event, we can't stress the heart, we got a bed rest, we just got to take it easy. Whereas now, the understanding is the sooner you get your heart back up and, and rolling, the quicker it's going to, or, or the better it's going to be for your outcomes. So we have you on this kind of phased approach to rehab where we, we start off with just kind of getting you back up and getting you moving. As your fitness increases, as as the, the treatment-related side effects come back down, we start to take it up another notch. And then as you go back into your normal life, we then start to really push the envelope. And again, the goal is can we get your heart and your body as fit as you can to reduce the risk of having another heart attack? And that's the exact same goal that we're trying to have with exercise oncology or cancer rehab. And one of the problems is, again, you've kind of heard me talk about this, the, the generic guidelines. We throw that at them. We say 150 minutes a week, two times a, two, two, two to three times a week of resistance training. Again, that's like my friends telling me to invest. I have no idea what to invest in. I didn't even know there were financial advisors or, or which financial advisors to see. So just like I have all these different people in my life who who have different financial situations and their their investments are going to look different than mine. You know, me is coming up, coming towards the end of my graduate studies, don't have a lot of money to my name, but I'm going to graduate soon. Maybe I, I have some different goals than an established 45-year-old businessman who has that money to invest in these different strategies compared to a high school student who is just trying to not pick his nose in front of people He's not even worried about that. So all of us have different investment goals and different strategies based on where we're at right now. Bring that back into the exercise world. All of these cancer patients and survivors are going to have completely different regimens, programs, routines based on where they're at. Are, you know, I could throw that 150 minute a week at you or at a patient and they look at that and say 150 minutes? I'm never going to get that. Or you got another person who say they're an ultramarathoner and they unfortunately come down to diagnose and say, dude, I run 80 miles a week. That's easy breezy. I'll do that. No problem. And the danger is, especially on the lower end, when we give that 150 minutes a week of intimidating people and putting them off exercise and saying, you've got to get 150 minutes a week because we know that's the minimum to have some sort of health benefit. And you've got this person who says, you know, I haven't exercised in 20 years. I'm never going to get 150 minutes, so I'm not even going to start. And we need to be able to deliver that information in a way that ins inspires them and mo motivates them and helps them change their behavior. So maybe 150 minutes isn't your goal right now. Maybe just getting outside and going for a walk around the block is your goal right now. 150 minutes for someone who hasn't exercised in, in 20 odd years is a lot of time. Can you get social support? Can you get your neighbor to walk around the block with you every Saturday? Can you be aware of how you're feeling every time you walk around that block on a Saturday? You know, maybe we went down for a couple of blocks. We talked about The Bachelor and how Jeremy didn't give the rose to Becky or Tiffany or whoever it was. And you, you, you start to kind of get out of breath as you're walking and talking. But maybe three weeks down the line, 
Bachelor finale, finale comes on, Richard gave it to, to Tiffany. And we can't believe that Becky lost a rose. But as you're talking and you're getting excited, you don't feel yourself as winded as much. And that's a sign that you're improving. So it doesn't have to be this, this structured, regimented, go to the gym and hop on an elliptical. If you come from a snowboarding background or a skiing background or, or kayaking or whatever it is, and I tell you, you know, well, we've only really studied elliptical. So you go in and jump on the elliptical for 40 minutes. Do you know how boring sitting on an elliptical for 40 minutes is, watching that crappy gym TV? Doing what you love is ultimately, no matter what it is, going to be the best way to stay active, to get active and stay active. Did you used to play tennis in college? Did you used to do these activities that you, you kind of fell off with? Can you get back into them? As opposed to us saying... Go in and squat four times. If you don't, if you don't like it, you know maybe that's not the thing you start with right away. Maybe we look to do what you enjoy, build some habits. Then when you're ready to explore different avenues, then we'll start to introduce some new concepts. Because ultimately, it doesn't matter how strong you get from a 12 week training program. It doesn't matter how fit you get from a six week training program. If they, if you don't maintain or improve those fitness levels, it's irrelevant what you do in the short term. A six or 12 week program is, is irrelevant across a five, 10 year, 15 year period. So again, it keeps coming back to this idea of it's less about the activity you're doing and more about the consistency of that activity. Are you a yoga head? Do you like to run? Do you like to swim? Is it seasonal? Where here in Ohio, I disappear for the winter. It is freezing. Your nostrils freeze and you can't really, you see your breath all the time and it's depressing because you go to work and it's dark and you come back and it's dark and it's useless. Versus someone down in Florida, you know, I've got a friend, Jose Antonio, who stand up paddle boards year long and you're looking down in the middle of winter and he's out on his paddle board in, in December in Florida going, man, why did I move to Ohio? So again, it comes back to, to having that awareness of what you enjoy what do you like to do? What are you good at? Where are you at in your in your fitness level, in, in your desire to work out and bringing them all together to be able to design a program that matches where you're at. And that kind of leads into the, to another problem in, in that people think that the program that we give is that your program for life. If we look at the, the weight training program, one to three sets, eight to 10 repetitions, six to eight exercises. And we give you that example and say, here you go, here's, here's, a, here's a program you can do. And I've seen it in regular gyms where people pick up these examples on, off the internet or even from the gym itself. And they come and say, you know, I'm doing this program, it doesn't really work anymore, I'm not really enjoying it anymore. And you go, well, how long have you been doing it? And they go, two years. You're going, you're doing, the, you're doing the same sets, the same exercises, the same reps for two years? No wonder you're bored out of your mind. You're coming in and just going through the motions. So can we shake it up a little bit? And that brings a really important point, again, coming back to goals. And we have this idea of what's the best. What's the best program? What, just tell me what to do. What, what is the best way I can improve? Whatever. And you, to reinforce the point, the best exercise to improve strength is going to look different than the best exercise to improve your cardiovascular fitness that might look different than the best exercise or the best program to improve your quality of life or to manage nausea and fatigue. And that all might look different than the best exercise or the best program to facilitate your, your adoption and maintenance of activity. So again, it's on this kind of sliding scale where there's not one best. 
There's not one best exercise. There's not one best program. That's where we have these professionals who are trained in sitting down with you, getting to know you, getting to know your lifestyle, getting to know where you're at with your exercise and developing a program that we feel will suit you then and there. And then as you evolve, you will have ups and downs. As you evolve and you kind of see how you're feeling and progressing, we'll modify that exercise accordingly and we'll develop that relationship and we'll give you the tools over time to where you have the ability to design it yourself. You know, my, my, my coaching philosophy, my training philosophy, all of it is the same in that I want to get to a point where you don't need me. Maybe you're checking in, maybe sometimes you need an extra kick in the arse so you, you come and grab me and we go through a training program. But ultimately, I want to give you the tools that I have. I want to teach you to, to understand how to design your exercise program, understand that there's going to be ebbs and flows in your approach to exercise in your life and managing those those low points, managing those valleys in where, you know, coming back to school or you have finals or, you know, there's there's some financial or, or personal difficulties in your life and you can't get to the gym for a few weeks. How do we just keep you active during that point? Because if we say you've got to get to the gym five times a week and you kind of, you know, you, things come up and you only get one or two times the first week, maybe you don't get it all the second week and then you just fall off completely. Just staying active, just doing anything is better than falling off completely. It's a lot harder to kind of keep renewing that fitness and keep kind of restarting than it is to just kind of stay doing any sort of activity, just to stay in that habit, stay in the routine and again, keeping an eye on the long-term goal there. Just like anything in life, you're going to have these fluctuations within, within your program, within your life in that you're going to have really good weeks, good months, good years. You're going to have pretty low weeks, low months, low years. And what can we do during those low points to maintain your activity, to maintain your fitness, to where overall you see a, a general increase? You know, the, the mini fluctuations are, are less important than the big picture and that it's going up, it's improving. So that's the focus of what we try to do in exercise oncology. And what I'm going to do is, is kind of go through a series where, you know, the next episode I'll talk about again, what I just kind of touched on. You come to me as a cancer patient survivor how do I work with you? What What is my process? And just kind of give you an insight into what I do, what I consider when I'm designing an exercise program, how my consultations look like. And what I'd really like to hear back is from other professionals, other researchers, other people in this area, and hear about your philosophy, especially if it disagrees with mine, because that's what's interesting to me the most, is that if you have a different approach to what I do, let's talk about it. I'll get you on the show. Let's 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 see what you do. Let's see what I do. Let's talk it through and see if there's one way better than the other. See if we can meet in the middle. Maybe I can learn something from you and vice versa. And I think overall, a lot of people will benefit from these different approaches because my philosophy has been molded by my background as an athlete. Um, I've had certain positions in strength and conditioning in athletic populations in, in college and professional sports. So I tend to have a little bit different mentality compared to, say, someone who's always been focused in rehab and I always had uh you know a PT background or a physical therapist background where you know maybe they're a little bit more conservative let's 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 talk about that let's see what that looks like let's let's go back and forth on how we how we design and approach these programs so that's kind of the overview again of of what I meant by our standard of care sucking and I was just really excited after getting well I was I was devastated after getting out of the meeting with the financial advisors realizing how broke I was but I was excited 
in the analogy I made and, and the kind of connection I made in, in let's not just tell these people to invest. Let's not just tell folks to exercise. Let's tell them how. Let's tell them why. Let's give them tools that they can invest in different areas. They can exercise in different areas. Let's give them goals based on where they're at. And so I think, you know, a lot of people are of that similar mentality. And if we kind of keep that moving forward, the overall field will improve as a whole. And hopefully, again, our standard of care will improve. This is not a case of if. This is a case of when. As in... This will be a standard of care. Cancer rehabilitation, I guarantee it, will be a standard of care in hospitals all over the country, all over the world. When that happens, let's be ready. Let's have all the tools, all the resources in place. Let's be as close to ready as we can to where when it comes, we're ready to go. We have all these strategies in place and we can develop high quality, top-notch programs. So with that, I'll kind of shut up babbling. Um, I know it wasn't an interview today, but this was kind of in response to a lot of people have been asking me to just dive a little bit deeper into into the intricacies of the field and kind of start to give a little bit more tangible and practical advice. So that's a goal of a, of a couple of the next episodes here and, and just giving you a, 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 a better oversight and a better insight into what we do and hopefully you can take some more tools away from that. So thanks again for listening, folks, and we'll catch you soon.